Hey everybody, this is Mark. Welcome back to another episode of this Poor Pastors Podcast. Today, I have a really important topic for you. I hope you enjoyed yesterday's discussion on my unstuck acronym, but today I wanna talk to you about comfort. I wanna talk to you about refusing to be comforted and why that is such a problem and a barrier in overcoming hurdles, past hurts, Moving forward in a healthy and sustainable way, I think the Bible has an answer for us in this. God created the soul and he knows how to mend it and he knows the process. And so as I'm learning that, I'm trying to share that with you. And I think that you'll find some benefit from this today and also in how to help encourage and challenge other people in your life who may be in need of comfort, but may be misunderstanding what comfort means and resisting actual comfort. So we're going to talk about that today. Grab a cup of coffee, get yourself comfortable, 10 or 15 minute conversation, and you'll be back about your day. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. We'll get started in just a moment. It's no secret if you listen to this podcast any length of time, two things should be no secret. One is that I am not a stranger to difficulties. Um, Again, you may have greater ones than I. I may have greater ones than yours. It doesn't really matter. The point is I'm not uh, just saying that uh, everything has always been wonderful and easy in my life, just uh, just the opposite. In fact, uh, I have ongoing struggles. I have things that I'm dealing with on a personal level, on a ministry level, that are very challenging. I also spent, the other thing that should not be a secret is that I have a heart for broken people, but I have a heart to see them made whole. What I am pushing back against is that trauma and disability mindset that keeps people broken year after year after year after year. And even how the church is adopting the language of the low-level mental health professionals or low-level mental mental health quasi-professionals. And, and because the church has been powerless for so long and not proclaiming the liberty that Jesus Christ um, offers us and not and, and the healing and the and the wholeness that he offers um, because of that we've we've had to figure out what else to do to remain relevant so we've gone into the world and adopted a lot of the mentalities and the uh, terminology of the world when it comes to dealing with issues of the soul and um And so I'm going to tread a little bit into dangerous waters here today, but that's okay. I'm willing to do that because if I wanted to say the same thing everybody else was saying, you wouldn't need to listen to this podcast. I'm providing a different voice, hopefully, and some alternative ways of thinking that I I believe are necessary. And one of those is the area of comfort, of comfort. If If you walked into a room that was very cold and you found me sitting there shivering in that room because I'd been there for hours or maybe days without heat. And I could barely hold a cup in my hands. My teeth were chattering. I was approaching the danger zone of hypothermia. Hyperthermia? Hyperthermia. Hypoth- I don't know if it's either hypo, hyper. My wife would know she's a nurse. You know, where I'm gonna get too cold. I think that's hypothermia. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. 
This isn't a science broadcast. If that was me, how would you comfort me? If you came over to me and said, whoa, man, we got to get you comfortable. How would you comfort me in my weakened state? Would you sit down next to me and say, you know, I'm just going to sit here with you until I am as cold as you so that I fully understand what it feels like to be as cold as you are. Would you say, I would like to help you, but I've never been cold like that. So I'm not qualified to speak into your pain. Would you validate that I was cold? Would you say, I see you. I see that you're hurting. I see that you're cold. And that's a true thing. You are cold. Don't let anybody tell you that you're not cold. Your cold is valid and it's your cold. And no one can take that from you. Would you say to me, I'd be happy to help you, but you know, why don't you tell me what the best way to help you would be? And I'll do that. But what if I was so cold that I didn't know what the best way to help me was? I think that you would obviously say, no, I don't think I would do any of those things. Hopefully, you would look for a thermostat and try to turn it up. And if there was no thermostat, you'd try to get a fire going if it was safe to do that. And if there was no fire going, you'd try to put a cup of hot liquid in my hands. And if I couldn't hold a cup of hot liquid, you would, you would wrap me in a blanket or you would take your own jacket off and put it around me uh, as a temporary measure. You would, try, you would try to infuse warmth into my cold body. That is what comfort is. Comfort comes from, it actually is a word that comes from the Latin. It's found in scripture. And it comes from the Latin, and it means with strength. But it, it has, uh, as a verb, if you're going to comfort somebody, here's what it means. It comes from the late uh, 13th century. It means to cheer up, to console, or soothe when in grief or trouble. Now, think of those three things. To cheer up. To cheer someone up means they go from being sad to not being sad. To console, um, well, that's that that would be um, in line with the word consolation, which is a kind of a, a parallel word, which we'll look at here in a minute. So hold that one in, in in your mind. To soothe, what does it mean to soothe? If your stomach is upset and you take some medicine to soothe your stomach, is soothing your stomach just simply um, acknowledging the discomfort of the stomach, or is it changing something? Is it relieving that uh, that distress. No, comfort means with strength. C-O-M is with or together. It's the prefix. And then from the, from the Latin word forte, which means strength. Now, I would submit to you that that is not the way most people use the word comfort in scripture or the word comfort in their everyday language. A lot of people talk about comfort as validation, comfort as sympathy, Comfort as, you know, sitting silently with somebody and they push back against anything that is solution based to say, you don't need to be trying to help people. What people need is comfort when they're struggling. Yes. And what comfort is, is to strengthen, to uh, to cheer up, to soothe. All right. It means to help. It means to encourage. It means to to give or add strength to. As a noun, comfort is a feeling of relief in, afflic in affliction or sorrow, a feeling of relief. It comes from an old French word, comfort, 
which is where we get our, our word consolation or solace, pleasure or enjoyment. So to comfort someone is to is to take them from a place of disc of um of sorrow, of grief, of pain, of a lack of pleasure, of a lack of enjoyment, of, of being miserable. And if we comfort someone, we take them to the opposite place where they are, where they experience pleasure or enjoyment, or they are strengthened when they are weak, or they, they are helped when they are, when they are hurting. Their pain is soothed. Their wound is healed. That's what comfort is. But the church has has abandoned our our role as comforters. That's what, by the way, that's what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. Parakaleo, parakalesis. We see these words, whether it's noun or verb form, in the Bible. What does the Holy Spirit do when the Holy Spirit comforts us? He is our comforter. What does He do? He comes to our aid to help us. What He doesn't do is sit down in the in the dump with us and simply validate how bad it is and tell us, you know, it's probably going to be this way for years and years and years. That's not what a comforter does. Now, there are two parts to comforting people. One is someone willing to provide comfort, and the other is a person has to be willing to be comforted. You cannot comfort someone without their willingness to accept it. In the book of Genesis, chapter number 37, verse number 35, around the 30-35 mark, Jacob's sons had sold Joseph into Egypt, and they then they lied to him. You remember, they, they sold him to the Ishmaelites, and then they took his coat, and they covered it in blood, and they said, look, we found this thing, and he's probably dead, torn apart by animals. It's really sad. And Jacob was incredibly grieved because of that. And in verse 35 of chapter 37, Genesis 37, 35, it says, All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him because he was grieving so tremendously. But he refused to be comforted. He refused the strength and help that they were giving to him. Again, we can say, well, they were a bunch of not bunch of monsters anyway. Like, I don't know about his daughters. That there's actually not much about his daughters being involved in the process of selling Joseph. But the family was trying to comfort Joseph after the loss of or Jacob after the loss of Joseph. But he said, "I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning." Thus his father wept for him. He made a decision. I am going to be broken and grieving for the rest of my life. You will not comfort me. I refuse to be comforted. Now, I've helped a lot of people in my life, and I'm working with some people right now. And I, I, I can tell you how often it is that people refuse to be comforted. Sometimes because there's a power that grief gives to an individual that is lost when they're no longer grieving. Sometimes it's because they don't realize that, that healing is even possible. Sometimes it's because they've swallowed this secular lie that wounds and trauma and grief are somehow forever and they refuse to be comforted. Sometime in the 
future, maybe someday, but not now, not now. Now I've talked to you before about there being an appropriate amount of time to grieve. There is a grieving process, whether it's a loss of a loved one, whether it's some kind of trauma from our past, some kind of difficulty, whether it's a a parent or a friendship or or a, a church situation or whatever, there's a time to grieve. We should, it's appropriate to grieve loss, but the grief process should be just that. It should be a grief process, which should have a beginning and the process should have a definite end at which time new things should begin to take place. I wrote a, I wrote a, um, a PDF resource on how to grieve well. There are five steps to that. Maybe I'll talk to you about that. Uh, you can find it yourself if you go to markfoster.com forward slash resources, and then um, you can fill out the, the, uh, the form that's right there and it'll take you to the Google Drive and you can download how to grieve well. Um, those five steps. But anyhow, uh, people can refuse to do that and no one can force you to. But comfort is to strengthen. Now in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 11, Paul said, wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. He's talking about some trials and afflictions, which would be, uh, which were coming on the people at Thessalonica, and what God was going to do. And rather than allowing it to overwhelm them and to discourage them and to drive them to despair, he said, "Hey, why don't you guys get together and calm forte with strength." Give each other strength. This is why it's the most dangerous and unhelpful thing in the world for someone who has been hurt or grieving to isolate themselves. I don't know if that happens in other places around the the world, but I know it happens here in America, and it's, it's exactly the polar opposite of what ought to happen. When we experience something that is, that, that can tend to drive us into a hole, into a pit of despair, we should lean into community, not away from it. And I know our, everything in us wants to lean away from community, but that's because we're not healthy at the moment, and those decisions are not healthy. We should lean into community. Paul said, comfort yourselves together and edify one another. First Thessalonians chapter four, the chapter before that, when he was talking about uh, not to be sorrowing as those who have no hope, he said where, and he, and he tells all the, uh, the, the beautiful promises that are in store for those who have fallen asleep in Christ. He says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. What does he mean by that? It's the word comfort. It's the word with strength. It means bring relief, provide relief. It's like when you lose your keys and you're like, oh, I've lost my keys. I'll never find them again. And then your wife says, I saw your keys on the nightstand next to the bed. And you're like, oh, it's that breathing out. Oh, thank you. I thought they were lost, but they're not lost. I know where they are and I can go and get them. And so I, I could still say, no, I don't know. I don't believe you. I don't want to accept that they're in there. And I'm just so mad. I could refuse to be comforted or I could receive comfort. We are supposed to comfort one another, and we are supposed to receive comfort. Now, let me read the passage to you in 2 Corinthians chapter number 7, verses 5 through 7. For when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. We were fighting on the outside, on the inside. We were scared to death. Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of Titus. Again, so how does God comfort? Does he sit in the mully grubs and say, that must really be bad. I'm validating your pain right now. Or does he strengthen? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, right? They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Um, 
and not so comforted us by the coming of Titus and not by his coming only, but by the consolation. By the way, in the King James there, the word comforted and consolation is the same root word. Um, one is uh, consolation and comfort. Comforted is used twice and it's a verb. Consolation is, I believe, the noun. It's parakalesis. Uh, and the other one is parakaleo. Uh, and I might have that wrong, but one's a noun, one's a verb. And it means, so it means the same thing. It means to strength. It means to bring solace to, to bring joy and, and excitement. Now, what was Paul saying? He said, we were filled with, we had fighting around us. We were afraid on the inside. We had no rest. We were troubled on every side, but God comforted us through the coming of Titus. He sent someone with us to us to provide strength. How did he do that? Well, he did it by the con he did it by sharing how he himself had been comforted by the believers at Corinth. When he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind towards me, so that I rejoiced the more. So Paul went from being troubled on every side, full of fear and fighting on the outside, to rejoicing. What is that? That's the definition of comfort. That is the definition of comfort. To strengthen, to give strength, to infuse with strength. Job chapter number 16, the book of Job is, I think the book of Job is one of the worst books in the world to read. I hear people say, Job is a theology of suffering. No, I don't think that's at all what Job is about. And I think a lot of damage is done trying to use Job as a theology for how to suffer and what suffering is all about and blah, and all those things. Um, I, I could do a whole, not, I could talk about that more, but let me, let me talk, let me show you Job's words in Job chapter 16, when his friends came to comfort him or that, I guess that was their intention. Job had said in chapter 16, he said, look, if you guys were in the same situation, I could do exactly what you're doing and it wouldn't help. Picking up in verse number four of chapter 16, he said, I also could speak as you do if your souls were in my soul's stead. So if situations were reversed, I could say the same things to you. I could heap up words against you. That's not comforting, is it? That's furthering the wound and shake mine head at you, right? But he said, here's what I would do instead. I would strengthen you with my mouth and the moving of my lips should assuage your grief. Now, I've talked to people and tried to help people over the years who have been grieving for months and years. And if I even begin to offer anything like solutions-based strengthening words, I often get pushback. So, well, I'm not looking for solutions. I'm just looking for understanding. Well, then that's not comfort. Don't, don't mistake understanding or sympathy for comfort. That's not, that's not what comfort is. You're, you're wounded and you're hurt. Comforting is, is infusing strength and bringing joy out of, uh, in, in place of sorrow and giving you rejoicing instead of heaviness. And that's what Job said. See, in the book of Job, everyone, including Job, was so interested in asking the question why that they never asked the question what or what next or what should we do in this situation. They were so focused on why. And there is very little comfort that will ever be found when your introspection after a wound is focused on the question of why. Because if there is one thing that the book of Job tells us is that many times we won't ever be told the why. And a lot of damage was done in the book of Job by people trying to figure out why instead of saying here is what happened and what should I do in response to it. 
And his friends should have come in and thought, what can we say and how can we help to give strength to this friend of ours who is hurting? We can't give him his family back, but there's not nothing we can do. Comfort is to provide strength. Now, as we end, I'll say this as we end. Providing comfort to people in your lives who are hurting or you being comforted in your grief and in your pain is going to require the willingness to speak words of help and health and strength into their lives. It is not sympathy. It is not empathy. It is not validation. It is not any of the things that the world tells us we are supposed to do when someone's hurting. Do you know why the world and the low-level mental health professionals who are offering no solutions, by the way, they have no solutions. All they have is an industry. The reason why they use language that doesn't provide solutions is because they have none. But we do. We know that we know the savior and creator of the world who came to bring joy out of mourning, to bring light out of darkness. Imagine if Jesus stood up and, 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 and had quoted the book of Isaiah, but instead of solutions, he said, I'm just here to empathize with you guys. I'm just here to tell you I know how bad it is. Man, it sucks to be you. And I'm just here. I'm not here to provide solutions. I'm just here because you know what you need more than anything else is just understanding. He said, I came to set prisoners free. I, I came to give sight to the blind. I came to lift the heavy hearts. That's what I came to do. Why? Because he is a comforter. And then he sent the Holy Spirit who is a comforter. And then we are supposed to be comforting one another. But if someone tries to comfort you, you can refuse to be comforted. And you will stay locked in that cycle of wounds and damage for the rest of your life. That is your choice, but it is a choice that you can make. I hope you will not make that choice, but that you will receive comfort. I hope you'll receive some comfort from what I've said to you today. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. You can email me, thispoorpastor at gmail.com or text me at area code 910-265-7297. And I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.